big hello to you, Dr. Paul McCarthy. Thanks, Lovely Sarah, hello to, to see you, too. you in the studio. Thank you. It's just you and I today. I know, I know. It's a date. It is a date. No <laughs> Cheryl Shaw, but look, that means we have pretty much the next 50 minutes to be able to answer. Yes, because we often get short for calls, so yeah, get in early. Coming into the holidays, Paul, you said that you've been completely inundated at work, so a lot yes. of people do have these questions. A lot of people are heading off, um, you know, and just questions about your pet that you haven't gotten to, you know, might have been something that's going on for the last couple of months, but now you're going, oh, I better sort it out. Yeah, so I've been very busy at work with people. So to, to all my all, all, all veterinary clients out there, um, life goes on after the four days off. So, <laughs> so things that aren't dramatic, maybe watch and see, but certainly um, everyone, after all the vets are just as busy as we are. So mm. We've got Brenda on the line. Now, you've got a question about a little uh, Maltese cross Shih Tzu. That's right. Fire away. Let us know what the issue is. Okay, I've just um, been asked to look after this little dog for a couple of weeks um, and with the possibility of taking it on. It's been very, very neglected and um, dear little thing, not neutered, um, and he's about four years old. Well, I've given him a lovely bath and he's had a haircut and he's the sweetest little thing, but overnight time, he's learned how to, he picked up how to use a doggy door within about a day. And um, now he's inside and he is pulling on the, against the furniture, but only little bits here and there, yeah. not on the carpet, on the tiles. Okay, and so... I was wondering whether spaying, whether having him um, neutered would help um, with that or not, because I'm considering taking him on full time. Of course. So um, at by four years of age... Some of the behaviour that will have initially been stimulated by the hormones, so marking territory because he's a male dog, um, may have become a habit. So certainly desexing would be an excellent first start in that if, this, if the marking behaviour, which is what he's doing, so when, when you pass yeah. small amounts of urine on multiple areas, what you're trying to do is just mark that territory as his own. And particularly because if he's had a tough time previously, he'll be more keen to make that territory his own to keep himself safe, so he'll try and mark as often as he can. Now, desexing will make a difference if that marking is still only being driven by that hormonal stimulus. If the marking has been happening for long enough elsewhere it, and has become a habit, then desexing alone won't treat that. Okay. Yeah, um, but, but certainly yeah. it's a very good start. And, and I think for lots of dogs who are in, um, in, in suburbia, being desexed just has a couple of benefits. Certainly the first is that um, unwanted litters don't occur. But the second thing that's not often thought of is people is that it may not be your dog that's aggressive towards other dogs because of hormonal stimulus, but if your dog smells like a male dog and when you're yeah. out and about and another dog smells your dog, that can make them a target for other dogs as well. So there yeah. are lots of benefits yeah. to desexing dogs generally. Mm-hmm. All right, I Brenda. have another dog as well, so he's, he's not... He's not aggressive, um, but he is trying to mount my other dog all the time. Yeah. Uh, which is driving him crazy. Of course. But, um, and yeah. some of that could be play behaviour and some of it could also be hormonally stimulated. So so it sounds sound like desexing would be a great first start for you. Now, we had a caller, Greg. It looks like he may have uh, dropped out. But Greg's question, he was in Nelson Bay and he has a lorikeet and it was losing... Oh, sorry, he is back online too. Greg, welcome. You've got a lorikeet that's losing feathers. Yeah, well, it's not losing them. It's um, it's sort of um, aged a little bit, had its plumage, 
But what's happened, it's not pulling the feathers out, but they're, they're um, disappearing and they've been replaced by a grey, soft, like a downy feather, mm. which I've never seen before. Okay. How old is your bird? Uh, probably just over 12 months. Okay. So there, there can be a, a few things that can cause the feather follicle to form um, in an abnormal way. Are these on the ventral chest? Are these on the sort of the breastplate? Uh, no, it started on either side down, um, sort of like the hip area, and now it's gone up behind its neck. And are the feathers, when, when the feathers form, is there any blood in the base of the quill of the feather? Uh, not that I've noticed. Uh, so it, it was a wild bird. I, I haven't sort of been able to tame this one to hand, um, to grab it like that. But there's, there's been no unusual sign, except all of the plumage has come out and just been replaced by these soft, like baby feathers. Yeah, so it, it could be a seasonal molt, and sometimes the seasonal molt can be quite extreme, and, and, and lots of birds will lose a large percentage of feathers, and these downy feathers may be coming through as before the, the, the new plumage does come. The second thing could be there is a disease called cytosine beacon feather disease, which can affect lorikeets as well, where sadly the feathers don't form correctly. Um, and then thirdly, it could be a behavioural situation where if this was a wild-caught bird, if we are approaching a time of the year where he might be feeling very full and fit, um, it may be a situation that this is an, a behaviour of the malady due to captivity. Um, and sometimes the, the need to mate or the need to be out um, can cause birds to start to traumatise their feathers and then they don't allow the feathers to form through correctly and so you get the downy feathers remaining. Um, I would suggest this would be a good opportunity to probably speak to your, your local vet about this, have, have the feathers examined um, to check whether the feathers have blood in the quill which could indicate disease or whether this is related to a behavioural condition causing those to be plucked. Yeah, so he was a wild bird. He fell out of a tree 12 months ago. And normally what I try, if they come good and um, sprout weather, uh, uh, wings and pheasant fly away, but this bloke, he's had visitors from like, other wild birds and he, he just doesn't like them. Yeah, and <laughs> it, it, it could literally be that the reason he doesn't like them is that them approaching his cage makes him feel unsafe. Um, uh, yeah. And so what he's actually doing is trying to get away from them because he fears that they may attack him when he's in a situation where he can't escape from. Um, uh, lo lots of that gets actually mis misdiagnosed as this bird would rather be solo, but in actual fact it is that the bird sees the outside birds as a threat and because while in a cage their exits are all blocked, um, it makes those birds much more scary for them. So uh, it, it, that may be more likely, but not that he doesn't like other birds, but he's worried the other birds will hurt him. Uh, <laughs> All right, oh, Greg. Okay. Well, thank you so much for the call today. 49216216 is our number. We are talking pet chat. Uh, Dr Paul McCarthy here to answer any of your questions. Mm. We've got a free line right now. Now, Paul, we were mentioning earlier uh, yawning. Mm. Something that uh, humans and animals do alike. Yes. And when dogs yawn, I always assumed, you know, oh, you need a bit of a nap. But it's not always the case. No. And so what I, we often get calls on about behaviour. And what I'd like to try and do is start to uh, help, help our, our listeners understand some of those early signs of anxiety that are often misconstrued as something else. And one of the very common ones is yawning. So um, most dogs are not... Getting an, uh, are getting more than enough sleep. So people who are worried about a dog yawning on a frequent basis for being tired, it generally indicates that they're actually anxious. Mm. 
So a, a yawn is an anxiety response and a display for us to pick up on that there's something in the environment that is making that dog feel uncomfortable. Um, and it, it's one of the things I often get clients to monitor, um, particularly in different environments. So they might not yawn at home, but they'll yawn in the car or they'll yawn in, on a walk or they'll yawn, particularly in a vet hospital. I was going to say, that my often. dog always yeah. yawns in, in the vet. Yeah, yeah. and so they, that isn't that the, being at the vet's made him very tired. It's actually that the, being at the vet has made him anxious. Mm. And if we can often pick up on those early signs, it helps us to recognise that we can actually desensitise them to that environment. So if you do see your dog starting to yawn, one of the things you can do for those guys is see if there's something in the environment that may be the trigger. It could be that we're in a different environment, or somewhere new, or somebody in the environment is new, or there's another dog in the environment that's not normally there. And link that with a positive. So try and give some either, uh, praise, some verbal responses, as well as even treat rewards if your dog is particularly food motivated. And if we can catch those anxious situations and desensitise them while we're only at the yawning stage, it often means you won't get that behaviour spread over other situations. Because it seems to escalate. Correct, yeah. So step up from yawning is often turning the heads away. So dogs who don't want their head looking towards you or are starting to turn their back towards you, turning away from an environment. So if you see your dog, you go to a room and the dog faces the other way rather than into the room. These are another signal to indicate that, that, that the dog is feeling anxious about where they currently are. Um, and again, if you can catch these subtle indicators early, it just means you can rehabilitate those guys before they get to the stage where their default is bark or growl or bite mm. because you've been able to catch those signals earlier. Dogs are trying to tell us what they're, what they're feeling and those very subtle signs are often misunderstood by humans because that's not how we would respond. So, Paul, if you've got a dog and it may yawn just infrequently, mm. um, are there ever times where they do yawn because they are, in fact, Tired, or is that uh, uh, certainly if they're just waking up, they'll often do a yawn, yeah, sure. okay, or, or if they have um, been very, very busy um, and then a lot of activity, they may yawn. But generally, a yawn is, is, is often more associated with an anxiety response than it is with I'm generally tired. The canine sleeps, as I'm sure all our dog owners out there realize, they sleep a lot, um, and so dogs are much smarter than us when they're tired, <laughs> yeah. they'll sleep. Um, they don't push themselves. They they understand what their bodies are telling them. And they listen. And they listen. Can yeah. that be also a thing with humans? Do we? I know that you're not. <laughs> no, look, I have got. I'm doing some some psychics at uni actually, and, okay. and and we are yawners when we're anxious. Yeah. And I'm sure there's probably listeners out there who realise. I I used to run as a as a sport, and before big sporting events, um, I would yawn a lot before a race. Right. And I didn't. My mother and father would think, oh, he's he's tired. You got to get enough sleep we yes. need to get you more sleep before a race but i now understand that it is an anxiety response um and it has probably got an evolutionary base to it because it allows you to often take a large amount of air in and it could be your body's way of saying in case we've got a fight or or, or run our way out of your situation get some I've air in some get, 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 get some more oxygen in so there, there probably is an evolutionary response for why this yawning is occurring as well as a display for other groups other people in the social group to do so and what's interesting as well is that even talking about yawning makes me want to yawn <laughs> and I, I know at home or if you watch someone else yawn usually they do say it's the alpha but i just think it's anyone in general if you see someone yawn you catch it yeah and, <laughs> and you and want to yawn as well that's empathy well I, and i think that the theory behind that probably is is that if it, uh, in an, uh, 
even in a non, an unconscious or instinctual manner, you've noticed that that person has displayed an anxiety response. And so you're mimicking that anxiety response to say, well, we're all in this together. It's okay. Yeah. So it's very interesting. Yawning has a lot of theories behind why, why people yawn. But we know in dogs in particular is a very common indicator of anxiety. And I can assume being mammalian species, <laughs> we're, we're the same. Hello, Betty in Bonnells Bay. Your dog has a cough. Well, I think it is. Uh, he started it last night and he was sort of coughing, but he's sort of like as though he's got something in his throat, mm-hmm. you know, and he's trying to get it out. <laughs> and and so, sorry, how old is your dog and what breed is she, Betty? He's six months old. Yep. And and he's only, uh, he's only, he's a Shuitsu toy uh, Maltese. Okay. Now, um, do you walk him? Uh, sometimes, yes. Yeah, so certainly at this, at this time of year, we, we see a lot of what's called kennel cough, which is... Yeah, um, that's what I was worried about. Yeah. He, he's vaccinated against kennel cough. Did he from that? Yeah, well, generally as a puppy. Did he get a, a vaccination against yes, kennel cough as a puppy? Yes, he's had all that. Yeah, so the vaccinations that are made up are made up on what was around the year before. So a bit like the human flu, they, they, they take samples, they make a vaccine based up on what was around the year before, and that's what the vaccination is made up of the following year. Now, in some circumstances, the vaccine that's made up actually won't cover the disease 100% because the virus has mutated enough times that the coverage isn't 100%. So, uh, in, you know, in humans where, where sometimes the vax works well and sometimes people do still get the flu even though they've had the vaccination, it's often because the virus has changed enough in that 12-month period for the vaccine to not give you a full umbrella effect. So one of the things um, you can do... He, ke- did, he did have it, um, oh gosh, maybe a, a couple of months ago, he did the same thing one night. He started in the night and he did it, you know, the same thing and he kept running up to me, you know, as they all oh, helped me, you know. Yeah. Is it is it a productive cough, Betty, or a non-productive cough? Which, which I mean, does, does something come up when he coughs or is it... No, a, yeah. no, no. Okay. No, so certainly... No. Kennel cough, by which is a is is a name given to either dogs who have Bordetella or parainfluenza, um, will generally have a dry cough, and it often is a bit like a goose honking sound when they cough because it's actually an inflammation of the trachea rather than from the lungs, and it it, it generally ends with what we call a terminal retch, so it's a cough cough, <laughs> which is yeah. where where often people think they're trying to clear their throat. So it certainly does sound like kennel cough would be the most likely culprit. Now. With dogs that have been vaccinated, often they'll only have signs for up to sort of a couple of days and the body will control it. Um, but certainly if you start to see any nasal discharge, if a cough becomes productive, so when he is coughing he yep. brings something up, then that's certainly yep. indicated to see your vet because it could be something okay. else. In a young dog, it's much more likely to be this. In older dogs, coughs can be related to heart conditions, um, but I would imagine he would have been checked for his heart when he was younger. If there's no oh, underlying yeah. heart disease, it would make a cardiac cardiovascular cause for the cough much less likely. Yeah, he's been checked up for his heart only just recently. Terrific, yeah. I would think at this time of year, certainly the most likely is. We've had many cases from parks such as the Spears Point Park has got some kennel cough currently. We've also had some cases from around the... um, Nobby's, Nobby's area, certainly around Horseshoe Beach, we've had some kennel cough. As a, 
are help for clients. If you are out and about and your dog is in those those group areas, make sure your dog is certainly vaccinated beforehand. But another good trick is to not let them drink from the shared waters in those areas. Empty the water out. If there's a if there's a bucket under a tap, tip that water out, rinse it, and then refill it before you let your dog drink from that. Because one of the common ways to transfer any of those viral or bacterial diseases is by shared water bowls. So, Paul, if your dog has been vaccinated mm. and they do start to get a cough and you suspect it's kennel cough, mm. you can actually wait a few days and see yes, whether it rectifies yes. so rather than rushing them to correct. the vets. Correct. If they're eating well, if they're doing their normal behaviours and the cough isn't affecting their uh, ability to exercise and move, then often waiting a couple of days may be all you'll need to do. Okay. In, the, in that the antibodies being present will often give you a bit of an umbrella effect and cover you for a wider period. But certainly if you're finding that the cough is getting worse, if the cough becomes productive... Or if you see discharge from the eyes or nose, yeah. then they're indicators that you need to get that checked. And also in, in older dogs, I always stress that um, coughs are not always to do with the lung and the trachea. Mm. They can be yeah. to do with cardiovascular conditions. And if in doubt, certainly get those checked. Um, and people often, this is a good point, people often think that, that dogs who are panting are having breathing problems and dogs who are breathing slowly with big breaths are breathing normally but in actual fact it's generally the other way round. Okay. So if you if you watch your dog and it takes a very large breath in and a, and a very delayed breathing out so the chest is really visible when they're moving, that is a dog who's actually having problems breathing. And that's the time where you've that's got to get time to, to, be, to, to, the to get into the vet. Possible. Yeah, so a dog who can breathe very quickly generally is trying to cool themselves down by panting it's not trying to get more oxygen in because if you know yourself if you breathe and breathe and breathe and breathe really quickly you actually get a bit lightheaded because you're not getting the large amounts of oxygen in so dogs who are really sucking in those gulps of air they're the dogs that are having problems speaking of a dog that would have been uh, trying to get some oxygen sucked into its chest i have to share this story because it is a feel-good one but there's been a dog that was found swimming more than 220 kilometers from the Sure. Oh, wow. Now, this was ashore in the Gulf of Thailand. So um, some workers on an oil rig found this dog. They oh, just saw this dog. little head. Yeah. And they've had a closer look and they've thought, oh, my goodness, this is a dog. So, so probably from a passing boat, I assume. Yeah, it's a long way for a dog to have swum. I know. It's not gonna, a dog can't swim that far, can it? <laughs> they think it might have fallen off the back of a fishing trawler. Oh, how lucky. Um, yeah, so they've found this dog and they've managed. The crew has rescued it by throwing some rope in and sort of getting it around the, the body oh, and, and pulling it into the boat um, but they've just got some great pictures of the dog before and after they've they've, oh. <laughs> they've draped a lay around its neck as well with flowers um, and it's now up for adoption they're looking for a oh, home for wow. this dog but I do love the, the crew named it uh, Boonrod which translates to survivor ah, so isn't well done. that gorgeous and it was returned to dry land on Monday so that happy is a feel good story it is a feel yeah. good story yeah. and we always like I've got Amanda on the line now Amanda, you're in the junction. You've actually called to give us some advice, have you? Yes, I have. Um, I, I wanted um, to tell your listeners, if you wanted to get dog shit or any kind of shit... Out okay, of we got yeah, dog droppings, yep, okay. Um, you use um, soda water and you mop it up with a sponge. And the other, the other, one, was, the other one was, if it's urine, you can use white vinegar. 
Ah, some very good advice there. Mm, I have handy. tried the soda water at my nens once when I knocked over a glass of red wine. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh my goodness. We use soda water for red wine as well. Yeah, yeah. and it does work a treat. <laughs> Nen never knew. Never knew. Not that she would have got cranky at me because <laughs> Nen never gets cranky at me. Paul, I thought we'd better do our Pets of the Week, mm-hmm. which our lovely promotions manager, Kimmy, uh, goes to great effort to put them up. Now, I'm already Great in picture. love. Oh, yeah, I yeah. know. Look, if you're at home, you can watch this as well. See this at 2NURFM.com and just click on uh, Dog of the Week. The first one is Tarzan, and it is a great picture. <laughs> he looks so happy. Yeah. Now, he's a big boy. He's six months old, and he's an American Staffy Cross boxer. And apparently he's one relaxed young guy. Uh, and he's quite a ladies' man, thanks to his cheeky smile. I can see that. Yeah, he's got yeah. one of those faces, you just want to <laughs> smooch. You really do. Now, he came into care in fairly poor condition with his sister Jane, but he has flourished into a happy young dog. He loves being around people. He is great with other dogs, um, but being a young pup needs to improve his basic training, which hasn't been an issue and shouldn't be an issue to, to further it because he's highly motivated by food. That's no, always he's a, a great boxer. thing. It's always handy. <laughs> yes. Um, so it's not known if he gets on with smaller dogs or cats. So you would have to check that out. He is available for adoption. So make sure you go and have a look if you're in the market for a dog like Tarzan. And we've got one more dog of the week as well. And this is Little Nugget. Oh, little nugget. He's an 11-year-old yeah. fox. You know, I always feel sad when they're this old because I just think... Where have you been for the last 11 years or why has your circumstances changed? Yeah. Yeah. He came into a dog rescue from a very loving owner. They had to sadly um, give him up when they they moved. So, look, he's a handsome, happy man. He loves being around you. Um, He's obviously got good manners. He's toilet trained. He loves food and he's still mastering the doggy door. So, if you're looking for for an older dog and Mm. and a real companion, Nugget's probably your guy. Yeah. So I'd love to see him adopted as well. And there are some advantages of taking on an older dog in that Absolutely. often their exercise requirements are less. Yep. Um, they've generally mastered, as we've said, the toilet training and those sorts of behaviours. Um, and, and they're often quite settled dogs. So for people who don't have... Uh, lifestyles that, that have a lot of time, often adoption of an older dog is a really good choice because yeah. the training has been done for you. Yeah, the tra- that's exactly yeah. right. You don't have to invest that time. Yeah. And coming from quite a stable, loving um, yeah, family right. as well, he's probably got those those traits where he's quite relaxed. That's and right. Obviously, he'll need to settle into the family. It's yeah, a big thing. But um, yeah, so two, two great options there. If you get a chance and you're in the market for a pet, please go have a look at 2NURFM.com. Now, Dr. Paul, we were talking earlier about yawning with our our dogs and that Mm. often being a form of anxiety rather than a dog being tired. They're trying to tell us I'm not comfortable with this situation. Now, you were talking about early signs of anxiety that we can sort of spot and try and turn into a positive situation before our dogs are that other end of the scale where they're absolutely terrified. What are some other signs we should be looking out for? Because this time of year, there's changes happening, families going on holidays. It can cause some anxiety in our animals. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so so certainly though, the, the... the head turning and the veering, the licking of the lips and, the, and sort of the, the licking of the nose are often ones. So dogs who lick their lips a lot. So, oh, okay. Um, yeah, so as dogs who are often making a licking sound or you see them licking their lips, they're, they're not hungry. They're, they're generally showing you a sign of anxiety. Um, and 
there's sort of a, a ladder of progression. So dogs move through these signs as they're getting towards that really anxious stage where their fear is coming through. Um, and so the, the this next step beyond the facial ones are body movements. So they'll literally just turn their back. They may jump up. Okay, so dogs who jump up on somebody uh, are often not doing it out of excitement that they may be doing it out of i'm just letting you know not to come too close i'm going to get in first um so just judging those sorts of behaviors as well and i think it's really important once you have recognized that is to um turn that around and and that can be either done with behavioral management training so talking to the dog in a kind way experiencing that on multiple times so the dog gets used to it happening Um, or it could be if your management isn't enough is talking to your local vet about medications that can help you with that training okay so we often talk about using meds for anxiety yes and and what we're actually talking about is we're using antidepressants and and drugs that are human manufactured that will allow the body to have more serotonin in their brains and serotonin is the neurotransmitter that makes us feel calm and relaxed and so the the drugs themselves don't cure the anxiety what they're trying to do is have the dog experience the world in a calmer state so that they could learn to be safe in their environment and that's an important thing for people to consider is that the drugs aren't instantly going to fix this this is a a helping agent to you retraining your dog to feeling safe in an environment and could it be possible to um, be on the medication whilst further training and then Absolutely. the training get to a point where you, you don't need... You can stop the medication. Yeah. And, and, I, yep. and I stress the idea of early intervention. So people are often quite stigmatised by antidepressants for pets, um, which is disappointing because mm. often what happens is people think, oh, I won't do the drugs, I won't do the drugs, we'll see how we go. And then they get sort of two or three years down the track and the behaviour is very difficult then um, and because we've that far advanced it can be difficult to reverse those signs yeah that's so i really really stress if you're seeing any of these early anxiety signs and your management alone isn't helping um please don't feel scared to start a medication early often early intervention means the medications can only need to be used for a short period of time which is a better outcome absolutely so paul when do we ignore a dog's behaviour, undesirable behaviour, versus when we do speak kindly to them, and because you know you hear yeah, often people if worry a dog's about praising the wrong just things. Ignore it. Yes, so generally your best step is if the behaviour you're you're seeing isn't something you'd like to do, turn your back, block block the dog from your social group. Right. If that's not enough, then you need to distract the dog out of its behaviour. And that applies with anxiety as well, or is that different? So um, if a dog's being anxious in an environment that's been too many times before is is not panicking but is showing anxiety, try and fake that you're happy. Okay. Drop your shoulders, fake a smile, show that there's nothing in the environment that's making you anxious because often dogs are looking to us as their litmus test. Am I safe or am I not safe? Okay. And so if we're showing them physically we're safe, that'll transfer to the dog as well. We've got time for a very quick call. Steve in Barnsley, that caller is you. Your dog is blinking a lot, is that correct? Hello, Dr Paul. Hello. Mate, um, now, there's something that um, I am curious about. Um, In that dog's and I'll I'll watch mine. We've got one minute, Steve, so just quickly (laughs) ask, otherwise we'll run out. She doesn't blink very fast, um, and uh, so you uh, want to know about the not blinking. 
Yeah. So, so blinking is a, is does two things. It protects the eye. It also transfers tears over the surface of the cornea. So, in dogs that have small eyes, so dogs that have quite deep set eyes, don't need to blink as frequently as dogs who have large open eyes who require much more lubrication on a regular basis. So, if if the eye is clear, there's no discharge. The blink is really there as a mannerism to keep the eye moist. The only reason for increased blinking is indicating that the eye is sore. Okay, very interesting. Thank you for the call, Steve. Sorry we had to be so quick, but we are out of time. That's it for Pet Chat. There you go, Dr Paul McCarthy. It still went super quickly, didn't it? I have one shout-out, if I may. Of course, please do. My beautiful niece, Sophie, has her birthday today. So if you are listening, my sweet one, happy day. Oh, isn't that beautiful? She's beautiful. I'm a very lucky young girl. Very happy birthday. That's wonderful. That's it for us for lovely afternoon, 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.